And Bucky, I think we've got the man of the hour. I'm going to let you introduce him because he's he's your guy, your former player. Why don't you uh, be so kind and bring on our very next guest here on Texas Sports Unfiltered? Well, joining us is one of my children. As a matter of fact, I have four, but this is the fifth. And he is a lifetime Longhorn. He is one of the greatest players in University of Texas history, a Heisman Trophy winner, 13,000 yards in the NFL. He is my big boy. Ricky Williams. Ricky, good morning, my friend. One of the greatest. Come on. Oh, come on now. <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm pretty good. Doing all right. I, I you know, I, I wanted to call you Eric Lynn. I've never called you Eric Lynn. Yeah. Now, that is, people don't really understand, but that is your real name, Eric Lynn. Yeah. When I was born, that's what they put on the birth certificate. And now, what do they put on the birth certificate now? Eric what would be Myron. on your birth certificate? Eric Meyer, that's on that's on my social security card right now. And so my driver's really? license. Yep. That, okay. Now, you know, when, when I first heard you had changed your name, the first thing I thought is, what did you do to have to change your name to your wife's name? <laughs> to your wife's maiden name. I oh was like, God. you did something. You did something. You you're that's still not gonna tell me. You're probably gonna tell no, the I world will. right now, but I you will. did something. No, okay. I will tell. I will it's tell. it's a it's a it's a cool story. So most people know now that I'm into astrology. And so my, my wife is into astrology too. And, and one of the things we enjoy doing together is taking astrology classes together. And so a couple of years ago, we took a class on relationship astrology. And what we, what we learned about our relationship was that it's skewed towards me, that most things in the relationship are going to tend to favor me and go my way. Oh, I can, and, I can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then you add that I'm famous and everywhere we go, people forget that she's there and they, all the attention comes to me. And so I realized what, because the relationship to me is about equal partners and there's things that make that difficulty. So I thought, what things can I do to, to make her feel more equal in this partnership? And, and to be honest, my history and relationships, I've never really been faithful. And, and so she was clearly aware of my history. And so it's kind of, you know, again, just being real, you know, coming out and saying, this is the person that I love. This is the person that I'm committed to. And there's no questions. There's no hiding. There's none of that. And so just about learning from my past and, and wanting to have a different future in my relationship and thinking of the steps that I can take to, to do that. And then when our son was born and the question came up of what's his last name, it just it just made sense. It made sense. So I took the opportunity to to make the switch. Well, I then congratulations to you. I, that is that's fabulous thinking. That's forward thinking right there into yeah. more than just your life as a as a star, as a celebrity. You're thinking about someone who is now very important in your life, your partner. And that's that is um, that's to be commended. Yeah. I'm not well, changing you know, my name to Pizer. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still the one. You know what I'm saying? Here's what you need to know. In my life right now, I've got the one, but I'm still the one. You know yeah, what I mean? I get it. I get it. I totally get it. But you had yeah. to go through so many things, Ricky, and 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 for you and getting to know you and getting to be around you and 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 I, I'm not even going to call them ups and downs. Your life has been filled with ups to me. Yeah. They're, 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 those are just the downs are just journeys, but your life yeah. has been filled with ups. And from the minute I met you and you thought you'd be an all American linebacker and, you know, and, and I would have been, I would have been all American linebacker. <laughs> you'd have been that win. That's you'd have been. How's that? No, I would have, I would have, yeah. I, I just thought that, you know, I, as I tell stories about you and, and, and meeting you for the first time, and I, and I said that 
Ricky told me he was coming to Texas to win the Heisman Trophy. He never told me he was going to graduate from the University of Texas. He said he was coming to win the Heisman. Now, you did graduate from University of Texas. Eventually, yeah. But and it doesn't matter. I, you did it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I wasn't coming to Texas to graduate, you know, because I barely graduated high school. You know, it's like being a, being a student really wasn't my thing until after my career. I was really so, so focused on being the best football player I could possibly be that when I looked at different colleges, I looked at what environment, what situation will allow me to be the best. And a big part of that was you and Coach Makovic. You know, I, I, first of all, Coach Makovic, I believed in what he said, What he said, because a lot of head coaches, when they recruit you, they lie just to get you there. And I was here, I was a fullback in, in high school, and I wanted to start as a freshman. And so other schools that had tailbacks said, oh, we'll put you at fullback, and then when they leave, you know, we'll, we'll move you up. And I didn't believe him, but when I watched film and I, and I talked to John, I felt like he gets it and he's going to give me a shot. And then when we started talking and connecting you and I, I fell in love with you. I was like, this is like someone I really like and respect. And I could see myself being with them for the next, for the next four years. And then on top of that, when I took my recruiting trip and I was around the guys, I had that sense of family and, and I was in, I, I knew on my trip that this is the place, Texas was the place that I'd be most successful. Yeah. Is it true, Ricky, that uh, you first wore the number 11 at the University of Texas because that's what Bucky wore in college and you wanted to make that number more famous than uh, than he could? <laughs> it's, it's kind of the story. I wanted to wear number one, but it was, it was already committed to to Brian White, a uh, little receiver we had. And so couldn't wear number one. And so I thought the next best thing was two ones. And then when I heard it was Bucky's number, I was like, yeah. I'll do it. I'll make this famous. Yeah, exactly. And you also, and and also at that time, there was the, the, one of the fullbacks who had been at Texas that had 34 and you didn't want to take his number. Yeah. Out of respect for him. Yeah. He was an upper class. I wasn't trying to come in as a freshman. I mean, McAvick had a, McAvick wasn't giving me the number as a freshman that someone else had. And then when, when McAvick left and coach Brown came in, I saw an opportunity to, to make a switch. And so I switched to 34 and, and now people that aren't from Austin, they all forgot that I wore 11. So I actually didn't make it that famous. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That sounds good. That, that sounds good. And, and, and once again, I, I will, I'll tell the quick story about the first game when we played the University of Hawaii. And Ricky just had a fantastic game. And he and Sean Mitchell, the other running back, it was, it was in the fourth quarter. The game, we had the game kind of in hand. And Ricky was having a great, just a, a, a great time. And, uh, in this game as, as a freshman. And he and Sean Mitchell, the, the parents, your mom was in the stands. Sean Mitchell's family was in the stands in Hawaii. We had made that trip to Hawaii, which one of the great trips for me because I had never been to Hawaii. Yet. And for me to go to Pearl Harbor, and you guys saw tears in my eyes, and I just thought of the memories that have happened at Pearl Harbor. And, and you guys as young freshmen didn't understand about Pearl Harbor. You couldn't – it didn't come into your, in your thought process about being at Pearl Harbor. And to me, you know, I had had – people in the service i had learned a lot about pearl harbor and to actually be there it, ricky was eerie it was a really weird feeling going over to the memorial and stuff but in that game you and sean wanted to know if you can go and sit with your mom up in the stands i'm like what are you guys talking about they're like i mean like take your shoulder pads off he said, oh the game's over with well yeah the game is over with but you have to be down here with the team you guys were asking if you can go sit in the stands and sit with your family and watch the rest of the game. And, and I was like, are you, you've got to be kidding. You, you two guys are really – and I think you guys really would have done that. 
We would have. You know, it's, it was that was 1995, and I imagine in two in 2023, there's probably some coaches in that situation that would be like, "Sure, no." Ahead. I mean, there's no rule against it. The game was over. I mean, it, it's funny because that, that was Sean, Sean, and and myself. It was our first, you know, big time college college football game. And so we just knew what we saw on on television and on TV. You know, when they True. in the preseason in the NFL and the games in hand, you know, you see them on the sideline with their shoulder pads off, just chilling. And I was like, "We're big time now, so we should be able to go hang out." This game is in hand. A, this college football stuff is job. easy. I did a terrible <laughs> job not having you guys understand about that, Ricky. Let me let me ask you this, and this is a a, a question we started out actually about the show. And there are so many great memories you have in being around Mac Brown and the man who could talk a hungry dog off a meat wagon. But there, there's so many things going on in college football and, you know, with hazing and stuff like that. And your thoughts, I mean, you're such a forward thinker. To be a part of a team, you don't – you don't, the, the hazing that's going on, and I, and I told BK, that's the first thing that coaches are talking. You know that meeting, that first meeting that you come to, you know, the one that you were probably late to at the University of Texas because you yeah. probably were 15 minutes, thought you were still on California time and we were yeah. on Central time. <laughs> Um, those meetings now have that, that that's a part of what coaches have to talk about is how you treat people on your team, people that you want to become members of your football team and how, what kind of respect you have to show to a kid that's 17 and 18 years old. There's no, there's no real age limit on how to respect people. And that's gotta be one of the first things out of the mouths of, of, of high school coaches now and head coaches in college football. Yeah, it's true, but I'm not sure how, how much they actually mean it. You know, I know they I know they have to say it, and yes. this might be a little little risque, but I I think when hazing goes too far and and the wrong people are hazing, yeah, I think it, it's it's dangerous. But there is something about, and you see it in the military, you see it in contact team sports. There is something about when a group of guys come together and they're trying to accomplish something difficult that they want to have some kind of inner knowing that the people they're around are not going to run away when the bullets start flying, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, you know, and I think coaches kind of do their own form of hazing. I know the conditioning test and those first couple sure. of days, or at least the way it used to be, there's those first couple of days of training camp, the, the first goal line drill, you're trying to weed out the ones that, you know, that aren't going to be, aren't tough enough to make it. Um, so I, I think maybe the hazing in that sense, not the, the kind that goes overboard, but this right. true – testing to make sure that everyone's on board i think it's necessary for every for everyone to feel comfortable that i'm going to give my best i want to know that the people around me are going to do the same well you know they can't uh, you know you know you can't tell the coach no i don't want to do this sprint no 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 this is hazing you can't tell coach is going to be what are you talking about you're not no i think this is hazing this is not good for me mentally i can't take one more sprint that's where that's that's where it's headed that's what i'm saying that's where it's headed but it's yeah. it's a game, and and at least my coaches they said we make practice extra hard. So when you get in the game, it's easier. And to me, at least in in contact sports in the military, that's really the the spirit behind hazing. It's not trying to punish someone. It's not trying to hurt someone. It's just it's an initiation. And so many indigenous cultures since the beginning of time have have recognized the importance of these kinds of initiations that are preparing people for what they're about to face. Yeah, it's all it's always gone on in sports for sure. And it feels like, Ricky, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it feels like a lot of times it's the players who are kind of leading the charge there, right? Obviously, the coaches coach and they do their thing, but it sort of feels like 
a rite of passage where the upperclassmen, and hell, you probably saw it in the NFL, where the veterans in the NFL kind of ingratiate you into the league as a young pup. That's sort of how it works, right? It's sort of the teammates just trying to make sure that those guys are actually willing to do what it takes for the team to be successful. Exactly. And I think that's really at the heart of it. Even even, you know, having to stand up in front of the team and, and sing the fight song, that's a form of hazing. But it's showing that you're not going to let your self-consciousness get in the way of actually performing and showing up for your teammates. Yeah, you're not worried about your voice and what it sounds like. You're just being a part of of a group. They don't care about your voice. They don't care about that anyway. They want to know how you're going to play. And then when things get tough at the goal line, are you going to make that kind of block that's going to get you in there for, for a touchdown. Ricky, let me ask you, uh, I want to ask you some football stuff before yeah. we let you go. Uh, Bijan Robinson, you've got a chance now to watch this young, watch this young guy at Texas for the years he was there. Now with the Atlanta Falcons, tell me when you style wise uh, of all the, all these running backs that you've seen over the course, including yourself and priest and guys like that, his style, his style of, of, of running with the football over the last four years at the university of Texas, where did you think of his style and, and I, I know you enjoyed this kid's character and, and what, he, what he brought to the university, very similar to you. It, it was a, a personality that was very, very important to have on your team and around your community. But what do you think of B. John Robinson? You know, I think what jumps out most is his versatility. You know, he catches the ball extremely well. He can run routes. He's got size. He's fast. He's explosive. But I think most impressive is his lateral movement at full speed. I mean – Watching him make a, a a cut at full speed, man, what he can what he can do is is it's amazing. And I, I feel like he's gonna. My prediction: he's gonna be somewhat similar to Emmett Smith, you know, especially okay. if Atlanta if Atlanta can play well. Meaning someone that had a, a a really good college career, but they went to the next level and they were able to really get the most out of their ability. And right now in the NFL, there's not a lot of teams that spend time and energy. Um, game planning the, the run, the run game, you know, as most of them spend all their time in the passing game and they use the run game to keep the defensive ends and the linebackers honest. But one of the things about the Falcons is they, they actually scheme their run game. So I, I think Bijan's going to have a great opportunity, not only in the passing game, but in the run game to really do some special things in the, in the NFL. How yeah, do you I I kind of want to follow up on that real quick, Buck. You know, you, you talked about the running game kind of being devalued right now in the NFL, Ricky, and that's been a huge story this NFL offseason. There's like a lot of really good accomplished running backs uh, got cut, got traded. Some guys still can't find teams, and it just feels like the NFL has changed to where people just don't care about the running back as much anymore. You as a guy who played the position, you know, what do you think about the, what's going on with that position these days? Well, sometimes I feel like I'm part of the reason, <laughs> you know, where you realize because in some ways running backs are not dependable. You know, I think there's two reasons. One, it's it's probably the most physical position on, on the offense for sure. And so running backs, they get banged up and, and their careers tend not to last as long as other positions. And I think, too, the kind of person that that signs up for that kind of punishment, you know, a different kind of person. And for you know, sure. Yeah, what, what, what I've been thinking about these conversations is that, again, there's not a lot of coordinators that even really, I think, know how to scheme a run game anymore. You know, this is something that John Makovic with the motions and the shifts and getting people in the right position to 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 get the most out of the, the run game. North Turner is another brilliant run game technician. These guys are, are, are not around anymore. And I think most of the brilliant minds in in football are all geared towards activating the passing game and so 
unfortunately, in, until running backs start to become more active in the passing game, I think you're going to see the, the position be devalued. Yeah, it's 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 going to take a little bit of time, and and you know with the C, you know with the collective bargaining agreement, Ricky, that they signed into. Guess yeah. what? You're slotted to make this money, yeah. and until until that changes too, until that comes around, and you get a chance to have those voices and, and let people understand. Well, they understand how important you are. The team understands that. It is it's the guys who sign the checks that don't understand that. The team it's, understands. It's, it's the team. The team's in a difficult position because when we look when we look at it from a business perspective, it's a market. And yes. I, you know, I'm telling you, I remember, so it was 2000, 2000. And I was with the Saints. Jim has its first year coaching the Saints. And he was giving me the ball like 30, 30, 35 times a game. And we we were on a streak. We won six games in a row. Okay. And no one was stopping us. Okay. I mean, we were running power down, down the throat of everyone. Week 10. Okay. Heading to the playoffs for the, you know, one of the first times in Saints history. And week 10, I break my ankle. And I remember the look on Hazlitt's face. You know, I if I was reading his mind, he was like, I will never depend on a running back again. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. I'll depend, I, I got to depend on the, the left tackle. I got to depend on my wide receivers and the quarterbacks. But I can go find me a bunch of these running back guys. Yes. They're not exactly. dependable. Yes. No, uh, they're, they're workhorses. They, you, you banged them up. You just said it. They're going to give you the ball 40 times. What do they expect is going to happen? Eventually, something bad is going to happen to that person. <laughs> yeah, so it makes sense. That position that gets banged up the most, you know, devalued. So what I say is the running backs, when they come out, especially big-time running backs, they should demand more money up front, and I think it should just be known that a running back's career top is going to be five years, you know? And if he yeah. gets more, you can think of it as bonus, but taking that beating for more than five years, you know what? I just don't see it happening so much anymore. And, and in the run game, you've seen you've seen them all, and and you've studied them all. I mean, you would emulate anything you saw in a film. You would go out and try any Barry Sanders move. You would give it a try. You didn't even have to practice it. If you just saw it on film, you could do that. But it's hard to emulate or imitate a guy like Derrick Henry. You just, you just don't. You don't do it. You don't watch a film and all of a sudden say, "Hey, I'm going to go out and run like Derrick Henry." Nobody runs like that dude. That that his longevity. And, and the punishment that he dishes out is incredible to me and how he could do that week in and week out. And I don't care about his size, but I know where they hit him too. They hit yeah. him underneath the chin, under where the pads are, in the, in the, underneath the rib cage, those areas that are exposed in his nuts. They hit him anywhere, anywhere they can get a piece of him. He is going to get hit there. And week in and week out, that big son of a gun comes right back. You know, if, if other positions got hit, like that guy does, they don't come back every week and continue to play. Hmm. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. And so, again, when I was younger, and I, it's important when you're young to be a little bit naive, so otherwise you wouldn't do anything. But now being being a little bit older and understanding the game, I think that five-year mark, you know, is, yeah. is, is, really, is really the sweet spot. Because, you know, as you get older and keep going as a running back, especially when you keep getting better, the target on you just gets bigger. And so you're sure. taking more shots. More teams are game planning. And over time, you're just going to wear out. How was – let me ask you this. How was your your uh, your podcast with Pat McAfee? Uh, I mean, is he – I mean, we're in this – this is our – this is myself and BK's first day, get, day together now. I've, you know me. I've been in radio for 25 years now. Yeah. How is, how is he? He's been so successful. How is he as a podcaster? I, I was impressed, you know, because he 
his his skills he can talk to anyone mm-hmm. you know he he's like he's intelligent enough that he can make a connection with any with anyone he's talk anyone he's talking to and i think because he did he played in the nfl he's got he's got background information to be able sure. to really connect especially that to athletes so, so I, I got a, so i got a chance so we have a chance then you got a you got a chance of course you have a chance you you know the game you know and it's 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 really to me a podcast is giving the guests the opportunity to to express what they know and what's what's important to them and so much of it comes down to the quality of the the questions asked Go. I like that. Well, we, we'd be remiss, Ricky, if we didn't congratulate you because earlier this week you were announced as a 2023 Distinguished Alumnus Award winner from the University of Texas, basically honoring everything you've done in your career. Pretty big deal, man. Congrats on that. I saw that come down a couple of days ago. That's that's when they give that's when they give you honor for getting your degree in your latter years. That's what that's about. Thanks for getting it done. Yeah. You know, it, it's cool. It, it's a big part of my story in the sense of I got in a lot of trouble, you know, and I think people are afraid to be themselves because they're afraid of the backlash. But this goes to show, you know, if you're going to be yourself, people might not understand you a bit right away, but eventually people will get it. And when they do, they'll they'll appreciate you and they'll reward you for it. So, yeah, and, you know, and, it's, and it, it is that respect, Ricky, that you're talking about. And, you know, you know, some people said, I want respect, but you have to earn respect. It, it really is. I mean, that's that's something that you have to earn uh, no matter what walk of life you're in. You don't just give it, you don't, people just don't give you respect because you're 50 or 40 or you've been a great player. You earn that respect in, in all aspects. I think you earn the respect from people more so outside of what you're really, really good at. It's that other thinking that people say, wow, this guy, this guy or this gal is something really, really special away from what they call their profession. This is a good person. This is a, a, a unique person away from what they do. But I also want to ask you about another guy in in your life besides AJ and 34 Wine and Spirits and how you guys are doing with, with the store. The Wine and Spirits store, let me just say this. You guys have been knocking it out of the park. This is this is something that that has now been around Austin for what, five or six years or, or, or more now that has been absolutely fantastic. And you guys are opening up new stores and doing new adventures and business-wise, I'm thinking of my son and you business-wise, you guys are really doing doing it the right way. Are you enjoy doing this? Um there there's something about doing business with with family and people that you really care about. And a lot of people say, "Oh, I don't want to mix." But to me, there's this level of trust mm-hmm. and the, the the feeling of something feels it feels good to go to work, it feels good to have calls about 34 Wine and Spirits. And so, you know, I met AJ when when he was 11, I was 18, and he he really was like a little brother to me. And to be able to see him be successful and to do it together, it really has has been has been amazing. It really, really has. And and the other person I definitely want to ask you about is, you know, you've talked about John and and how, I mean, John Makovic was. And, and I tell people, people really never understood this guy, but John Makovic let me coach the way I needed to coach. He never said he never said, oh no 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 no, take him out. You, we don't want to do this. This is what here's what I want to do. He always gave me the ability. I, I was around. A, a couple great coaches. One was Tom Coughlin and one was John McVick. And, and both, well, Tom Coughlin kind of formulated what did I needed to really learn because he was, he was a special kind of guy. I mean, being on time and things like that. But John, just let me coach the way my personality allowed me to coach with players. But for you, Mac Brown, and I know you've had to talk about Mac an awful lot. You know, I got to spend time with Mac when you were inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in New York. I got to spend some time with Mac and Sally. 
and your reasoning for staying at Texas that at that extra year and being around Mac Brown, what was special about Mac to you? Um, you know, it's it's I'll compare the two because you know I was with I was with John for for three years, and what I love most about Coach Makovic was exactly what you just said. Is he as a as a true freshman, he gave me the ability to be on the field and make my mistakes and to figure it out and do it my own way. And I, I oh, it was such a gift for for a young football player. It really allowed me to find my own, to find myself, and to find my style. Um, but on the personal level, you know. John Bakovic kind of had kind of had issues issues with people. Where now flipping to to Coach Brown, I don't know if I ever saw Coach Brown coach football. I mean, when when we got, I mean, he's like a leader and a politician, but I didn't ever see him coach an X or an O. And I and when I was when I was at Texas, I was thinking like, did he ever even coach football? And then I saw the old pictures of him, <laughs> you know, being a coordinator, and I was like, okay, so he does know football, but. But his gift is just his his ability with people. You know, when when he first walked in, I was like, oh, who is this guy? I want to get out of here. I want to leave, you know, and even the things he said, but he learns, he learns. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he cares about people. And so we had this long meeting, you know, he said, I know you're probably going to leave, but you know the most about this team. So break it down for me. And we spent about an hour and a half, two hours of me telling him everything I thought about the team. And the next day I started to see him implement the changes I suggested. And after that, I was like, this guy listens. He's going to empower me as a leader. He has my back. And so it made it easy to, to make the decision to stay for my senior year. And then he, he came through on all of his promises. You know, he, he, was, he was more committed to me winning the Heisman than I was committed to me winning the Heisman. Wow. And, and he did a wonderful job of supporting me uh, and making me feel like, like I could do it. Well, I'll just say this, and, and I've – I've still been taking hits for 25 years over the fact that you didn't get 10 yards in a damn football game to get to have a thousand yards as a freshman. And that's not my fault because I was supposed to be, I remember this and I'm, I'm, I'm begging to you to get these people off of my back today. My job was to coach in the game. My job was not to keep stats. And you know, damn well, if somebody would have said you needed 10 more yards, people said that was like, that was my job. My job was to keep your stats of what was going on. And you're a freshman year. And I said, that's not, that was not my job. Yeah, it's true. So here, here's the reality. Of it, okay. It, it all, it really goes back to the Hawaii game. Okay. Oh. It, that, like it's, it's not even, it's not even the, it's not even the end of the season. It's really the Hawaii game. I think I had like 10 carries for 90 yards. Okay. And the 10 carries, come on, you can at least give me 15 carries. Right. <laughs> so if, if I would <laughs> If I would have had a couple more carries, three more carries in that game, I would have Dude, had a thousand yards my freshman year. But but here's the other part of the story: no one expected me to a freshman fullback to run for 160 yards against the number one defense in the country. So, you know, it really I should have had maybe 60, 70 yards, if that, against the Aggies, and then it wouldn't even been a conversation. But I just went off that game, and I got close enough, so then it makes it looks bad going back to the Hawaii game. You should have just left me in the game. Yeah, with, okay, there you go. With all these, with, you with, have with to all, hold this against him, Ricky. Yeah, like, now there's, on, yeah, don't hold it against me. But uh, all these, all these years of playing the Southwest, a little bit of Southwest Conference, the Big Twelve, um, you missed the, the Aggies. They're back. SEC, we're back that to that next year. Did you miss that game? Because when people will always ask me, I don't know if they, you've gotten this question. Your biggest rivalry. I know the Oklahoma State, the Oklahoma game means a lot to Texas fans, but playing against Texas A&M is that not the best of all? Oh, it's the it's 
I mean, obviously, you look at my stats in that game. You look at me breaking the record. When I when I first came on my even on my recruiting trip, okay, the way the guys on the team would talk about the Aggies, you would think they were all six five, two hundred and fifty <laughs> pounds, running four threes, and they kind of were on that defense, but <laughs> but they were like afraid of them, and so it became this this thing of at the end of the season we have our big test. And right. for my my freshman year, for us to go to College Station and, and and beat them the way we did, you know, it really it really set the rest of my my career. And I think that was really the turning point for the program. It culminated with with VY winning the the national championship and, and the Rose Bowl. But I think the the shift really began that Texas A and M game. Well, well, I know we got to let you go. I know you got things to do, and we're we're getting ready to go off soon. But I'll just say. Thank you so very, very much for all these wonderful memories. Thank you for taking care of my oldest son. You guys have done well together. Um, you've been an inspiration to a lot of folks. As I said, the, the things in your life, this, is, this has been a wonderful journey for you. It was, a wonderful, it was a wonderful time in my life being able to be around you. As I have always told people, the smartest football player that I've ever been, not, not the best best running back of all time and all this other stuff. I said, but he is the smartest football player who I think, I think a lot of young players that are going to get an opportunity to listen to this need to understand they need to learn about the game, not just about the position. It's about all the other positions that are important. You knew everything that as, as Octavius Bishop would say, Ricky, you need to run on this side. No Octavius. You just need to make your block. I'll run where I need to run. You do your job. I'll do my job. And you knew exactly, you knew the players, you knew what they were capable of doing. You knew what the offense was all about. And my last thing is to ask you about a, a young player that doesn't get all the credit I think he deserves at, at the University of Texas, James Brown. Hmm. Uh, you played in a championship game. Championships are hard to win. And for the Texas Longhorn, every, all eyes are on them this year with Steve Sarkeesian in the last year in the Big 12. You were a part of winning the Big 12 for the first time, the first Big 12 championship over Nebraska. Your thoughts on... James Brown. Yeah, so my my first experience of James was he was a he was a sophomore when I when I came in and so and he, you know he wowed everyone as a as a freshman and so ah such a uh, dynamic electric player made plays with his feet made plays with with his arms before we had black quarterbacks really doing this especially at Texas uh, and it made my success so much easier and I you know people ask who's the best quarterback you ever played with the the truth is James Brown, you know, I, I didn't have a, a great opportunity to play with great quarterbacks in, in the NFL, but, but what James was able to do in making plays, it made my job so much, so much easier. And, you know, the, the most difficult thing about football, I always say is injuries. And this is a, an example of if, if he could have stayed healthy, you know, not only would his career have been so much better, but Texas would have been so much better. Well, right. that's interesting. You say that. And do I got anything I, else for him. I got to be selfish. I got to be selfish, but I know people will get mad at us, Buck, if we don't ask Ricky about yes, the 2023 yes. Longhorn. So y'all mentioned it. Texas won the Big 12 the first year. Texas was in the Big 12. The Longhorns trying to do the same in their last year in the Big 12. Ricky, what are you feeling about this team? Do you think they have the chops to get it done here in 2023? I mean, it's unfortunate. Like this question comes up every year, you know, and, and I'm the <laughs> I'm a hopeless optimist. You know, but but I guess what I can say differently this year is I really like Sark. And I, I think, you know, we've seen the past couple of coaches after a year or two, we started to feel everything get kind of stale and go downhill really fast. 
this is the first time where I feel like we're actually building and gaining momentum. So I have even more optimism this year than I have had in the past 15, 15 wow. years. <laughs> That's hard. It's hard to say at Texas, isn't it? But it's the truth, brother. It yeah. really is true. Ricky, yes. once again, thank you so much, man. Yes. We, we, we really appreciate it. I love you. Take care. Take care of the new baby. Uh, I know you got your, your babies here in the Austin area. And it's almost you are to the point of almost sending some of them off to college here very shortly. That's that's how long it's been. And, and of course, uh, Marley back in, in Boston. Are, are you not a grandfather now? It's not just I'm Ricky Williams. Yeah, I'm a grandfather. Just, you are I just got to give a shout out. So I give a shout out. Yeah, the kids are about to go to college, but I've been prepared for paying for college because St. Stephen's, man. Goodness gracious. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like college. It is college. It's like college. What are you talking it's, about? It's, it is college. But the, yeah. the good news is though, your kids go to St. Stephen's, they're gonna pretty they're gonna get into a good college. Cause Prince, ah, he barely, he barely survived St. He's Stephen. like you. But he got into all the colleges he applied to. So I was like, hey, it was worth it. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. The ed education around here and 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 for your kids and Asha, she's she's probably ready. She's getting close to that. that she's age. a senior. She's a senior, yeah. Senior in high school. Yeah, she's ready. Well, well, once again, thank you so much. Thank you for taking care of my son. You're like a son to me. Uh, uh, you've enlightened my life. And Ricky, on my, and as you used to tell me, I can, I can, you think I can still have a drink. Yeah. I'm, guess what today is my 23rd year of sobriety. Wow. Wow. And that, you know me. 23 yeah. years. Well, I know. I remember the the hotel rooms. The oh, hotel don't even rooms. don't let's not even go there. That's what's <laughs> oh my God. from another we, conversation. We, hey. We're about to go off here. What are you no, talking? hold on. Hold on. We might no, need no, one no. of these. Hold on. I, I, we'll do that. The next time we get you in a podcast, we'll tell some of the night before the games and some yes. of the you know the liars dice games that we would play before and who was in charge of the movies. Remember the movies that we had to go. The I remember the movies, the Tales from the Hood. Oh, my God. Tales from the Hood, movies, <laughs> some of the worst movies the night before the games I was in charge of, of bringing and bringing. And having the having the football players who were getting ready to play in the game eat a bunch of candy the night before the doggone games. And I was wondering why they were still up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Ricky, thank you so much, man. And be careful. Love you. Thanks, Buck. There he goes. Thank you, Ricky.